You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our fourth, fourth shir in the series of the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And tonight is going to be our first attempt to teach a Torah from the Sefer Lukutim Maharan. First three shirim that we've given have been Hakdamos, what Rabbi Nachman meant to me, continues to mean to me, which is something I'm continuing to learn for myself. Then we discussed the hermeneutical tools of Afal Pikain and Daika to show a certain emphasis that Rabbi Nachman is going to be leading us throughout this system of his teachings to understand that it's very often specifically in the places where light seems to be most absent that we can find the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that it's specifically in those dark places that we can find Hashem. And then last week we spoke about how we're going to attempt to follow that path from the side, that very narrow bridge that leads us deep into the heart of the Sefer itself, into the Lev HaSefer, into the heart of the collected teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. Now, what we're starting with is the fifth teaching in Lakuta Maharan. This teaching is not the first teaching in the Sefer, it's the fifth teaching. When a person looks in Chaya Maharan, when a person looks in the biographical information that frames the teachings, the first os, the first teaching in Chaya Maharan is discussing the origin story, how this teaching took place, how this teaching that is now frozen in eternity, not frozen in eternity, dynamically moving within its space within the Sefer, how it emerged into the world. Where did it come from? What was taking place in that historical moment when Rabbi Nachman Posach Piv, when he opened his mouth and he brought this idea into the world? One of the wonderful things about the writings and the library of Breslov is that not only are these teachings saved for posterity so that they mean something to us, as we've been talking about from the beginning, that the Nitzchios of Rabbi Nachman speaks to each and every person, Ba'asher Husham, as they are in that particular moment, as Rabbi Nachman would say, that the entirety of the Torah speaks to each and every individual according to the Nakuda, the point that is on their heart at that particular moment. So the question is, how did this come into the world? What was the real-life experience of this Torah? And Rabbi Nachman writes in the first teaching in Chayim Aran that it was the year 1802. In the year 1802, it was the first Rosh Hashanah that Rabbi Nachman held in the town of Breslov. And it was also the first Rosh Hashanah that Rabbi Nassan was present for. This was very shortly after Rabbi Nassan, after moving through Aish and Mayim, through the fires of trauma and the waters of trauma 
and the difficulties of his experience coming close to Rabbi Nachman. Finally, in the year 1802, he came close enough to Rabbi Nachman to be by the tzaddik for Rosh Hashanah, something that for Rabbi Nachman didn't die with the death of the body, but rather continues as we spoke about to this day, and is even stronger to this day. In Bezor Hashem, it'll continue growing stronger. Now, Rabbi Nassim writes as follows. He says that in the year 1802, the Russian Tsar Alexander, who had more of a liberal mindedness when it came to Russian politics and the treatments of the Jews at that time, slowly but surely the hopes of the Jewish people that they would have this renowned favor in the eyes of the Russian government began to dwindle as the Russian government began to impose certain sanctions what Rabbi Nachman and different tzaddikim as the academic books on Breslov and Rabbi Nachman point out, the historicity of this all, that they used to refer to these ideas, these gezeros, as functions, as the fact that the Russian government was dealing with the Jews in a harsh way. And one aspect that broke the heart of many tzaddikim, and in particular Rabbi Nachman, was the forced conscription of Jewish individuals into the Russian army. And Rabbi Nachman began to try and tell this story on Rosh Hashanah in 1802, says Rabbi Nassan, in order to destroy this decree, in order to overcome this gezerah, in order to draw down the favor and the chesed and the compassion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so that the Jewish people would be redeemed. That is the historical space in which this Torah took place. Now, that being said, the Parparos L'Chachma describes the fact that Rabbi Nachman in this teaching is very clearly dealing with the ability to fix Gezeros or the fact that a person might be stuck in a Gezerah. Meaning to say that in life, a person can look at the world in one of two situations. On the one hand, it could be something referred to as Kodem Gezardin, before the negative decree has been imprinted in the book on high, or Acher Gezardin, after the Gezardin has been decreed. So this entire teaching of Rabbi Nachman is trying to determine how can we live in a world, how can we continue with our spiritual functionality, how can we engage HaKadosh Baruch Hu when there are gizre dinim, when there are decrees, when there are harsh judgments in the world. Now, Rabbi Nachman was talking at that point in 1802 about that very particular historical harsh decree of forced conscription. But what we've spoken about until this point in terms of the Torah of Rabbi Nachman and the Nitzchias of Rabbi Nachman, it still applies for each and every one of us in our current situation as well. That each and every one of us always have to try and determine at what point are we relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Is it before the harsh decree has taken place? Or is it after the harsh decree has taken place? Or in words that may speak truer to the heart of the individual, are we speaking to Hashem? Are we trying to engage HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Are we trying to cultivate a relationship with God before it's too late? Or is it already too late? That's the question Rabbi Nachman is asking. The question that animates this entire teaching is, how can we know the space through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is relating to us? When we look at the world, when we see the harsh decrees that take place in each and every one of our own individual lives, as well as the collective history of the Jewish people, 
The question ultimately for Rabbi Nachman is, how do we engage you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we know that it's after the Gezar Din? Because even though in Chayim Maharan, in Rabbi Nassim's writing, Rabbi Nassim leaves it as a suffix. Rabbi Nachman decided to teach this teaching on Rosh Hashanah in 1802, and it's not clear whether it was before the Gezar Din, whether that decree that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had decreed, that harshness that would forced upon the world, had already been written and already taken place, or if it was before the Gezar Din, if there was still hope, if there was still time to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind, Chav And so Rabbi Nassim frames it that Rabbi Nachman came to teach this teaching about being able to know the difference between before it's too late or after it's too late, as Rabbi Nachman's attempt to make sure that we moved HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon before it was too late. But comes along the Paparos L'Chachma and he says that I received a tradition that at that time in 1802, when Rabbi Nachman started teaching this teaching about being able to know when it was before the Gazar Din or after the Gazar Din, when it was still time for the Jewish individual to besiege HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or when it was too late, Chas V'Shalom, the Parparas L'Chachma says something remarkable. He says that I've received a tradition from my father and my forefathers that Rabbi Nachman spoke this Torah out even though he knew it was after HaGazar That this Indian, this difficulty, this pain that descended upon the world in the year 1802, and the difficulties that descend upon each and every one of us in our own particular situatedness as we encounter the Torah of Rabbi Nachman, what Rabbi Nachman is saying is that even though it's too late, even though the Gazar Din has already taken place, even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu has decided that that harshness is going to take place, Rabbi Nachman still decides to tell a Torah, to share a Torah, which attempts to decide the difference between before the Gazar Din and after the Gazar Din. Now a person can scratch their head and they say, if we know that the Gazar Din had already taken place, if we know that that difficulty that was allotted for the collective as well as for the individual in each and every one of our own particular lives has already been written and has been set in stone in whatever cosmic sense that means, then what purpose is there for Rabbi Nachman to now begin to teach a teaching about the ability to know when it's before the Gazar Din, when there's still time to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind, Kav Yachol, Ubein Acher HaGazar Din and when it's too late to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind. If we know historically that it was already too late to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind, as the Paparos L'Chachma tells us, then what's the point? What's the tachlis here? And I think, La'anias Daiti, that what Rabbi Nassan and the Paparos L'Chachma and Rabbi Nachman are teaching us is that to learn the Torah of Rabbi Nachman is to understand that even when it's La'achar HaGazardin, even when those difficult decrees in each and every one of our particular lives, whether that means more anxiety or more difficulty, or whether it means lo alenu something more harsh, or whether it's some historical significance of Gazar Din, what Rabbi Nachman is teaching us is that even after we know that the Gazar Din has been written, even after it's too late, it's still not too late. What Rabbi Nachman is saying is that I will teach you the difference between before it's too late and after it's too late. 
And I will show you that even when it's too late, even when the Gazardin has already been decreed and all that you've been written, nevertheless, we still have the ability to make it as if it's Kodem HaGazardin. Because for Rabbi Nachman, even when it's too late, there's still time. Even when things have been decreed, even when darkness descends upon the world, even when chaos descends upon the world, even when things cannot hold and the center breaks apart, even then we can still find the ability to make it as if it's still our time to change HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mind. And this concept, this fact that even Achar HaGazardin, even after that difficult decree of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rabbi Nachman decides to still teach us how to make it as if it's before the Gazardin is very similar to the Chakira that we've been making all along, that even after Yeyush, that even when a person is forced to lose hope, that a person is forced to despair, God forbid, nevertheless, they can still say, There's no such thing as losing hope. That even though there's a concept of gazardin and difficult decrees that descend upon the individual and upon the world, and the entire Torah is coming to teach us how we can know the difference between before the gazardin and after the gazardin, ultimately Rabbi Nachman is really teaching us that even after the gazardin, even when it's too late, even when the decree has already been written in the Bechina of Purim, there's still the ability, the impossible possibility for the Jewish individual to change that which has already been written. Because ein shem yeyosh ba'olam klav. Afilu With that being said, we're going to enter into this teaching. Now, to try and teach or to try and express what Torah Hay is coming to say to me, to me, in 45 minutes is already not only a daunting task, but it feels inappropriate. And it does. It's something I've struggled with this entire week, whether or not to make this entire series about Torah Hay. But ultimately, Saif Masad Machshavatchila, and my first thought of teaching different Torahs each week is going to be what we continue with. But what I need to announce, Bepemale, is that this is by no means any sort of exhaustive treatment of Torah Hay. By no means is this an authoritative statement about Torah Hay, but this is my humble interpretation of a certain Nakuda in the fifth teaching of Lukutim Maharan. And we're not going to read through all of the Osio Sarvin Nachman, something that I can't recommend strongly enough. But what I'm going to try to do is pick up on a certain theme, on a certain Nakuda that not only animates the entire Torah of Torah Hay, but ultimately as we stated at the outset of the shirim, can offer us a little bit more insight into how to feel a little bit lighter in the world, into how to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'Simcha, to have a little bit more joy in our lives, to lift our feet slightly above the ground, to dance a little bit, to move a little bit out of our stuckness. That's ultimately going to be what I'm trying to share. Torah Hay begins with a profoundly significant and famous statement from Rabbi Nachman. The Torah begins as follows. Ki kol adam lomar. Each and every person must say to themselves, within themselves, 
Kol ha'olam lo nivra ela bishvili. Statement from Chazal in Masecha Sanhedrin that the entirety of the world was only created for me. That in a certain existential lens of human existence, we are forced to imagine it as if we are the only individual in the world. That everything that exists within the world is solely for the purpose of me moving forward. That the messages, the other people, the experiences, the current events, the history, all of the fabric that goes into weaving the beautiful, delicate picture of what existence is, all of that is simply coming to speak to me to help me make the next right decision. Now, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the late Lubavitcher Rebbe, also spoke about this idea very often, that each and every person needs to say, Kol ha'olam lo nivra But the Lubavitcher Rebbe had a different taich on it. It's not a different taich, it's just an added expression. The Lubavitcher Rebbe said, the only way this teaching makes any sense is if we recognize that just as it's true for me, it's true for any other person as well. So that from my perspective, from my own most subjectivity, everything and every person and every experience that exists in the entirety of creation is solely as a message to me as to how to engage and try and develop a deeper connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But I must remember at every moment that vis-a-vis the other person, it's true for them as well. So that just as the other person is peripheral in my life and simply there to add intensity to my experience, I am peripheral in their lives for the sake of adding intensity to their experience. So when each and every individual is capable of identifying the fact that they are the sum total of existence, while paradoxically holding the acknowledgement that it is true for each and every individual as well, at that point, we can enter into a paradoxical space where I am I because I am I, and you are you because you are you, as the Kutzker Rebbe would tell us. But without this Havana, without this acknowledgement, if I am I because you are you, and you are you because I am I, then I am not I and you are not you. So ultimately what Rabbi Nachman is teaching us is that as long as each and every one of us exists within our own most subjectivity, owning our own experiences, and believing very deeply that the entirety of existence is speaking solely and directly to us, we can also allow for the narrative that says it's true for my neighbor as well, without the fear that it will nullify my subjectivity or my egoism. Rabbi Nachman says as follows, Rabbi Nachman says, Ki tzarich kol adam lomar kol haolam lo nivra ela bishvili. Nimtzar, says Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says, so we see if Chazal say this, Shaholam nivra bishvili, that the entirety of existence is made for me. That's not enough for Rabbi Nachman. Everything was a call for Rabbi Nachman. It was a demand. One of the animating features of Rabbi Nachman's Torah is the urgency that animates the pages. That Rabbeinu Sha'ag Bekol Gadol, Rabbi Nachman screamed out at the top of his lungs. Or as Rabbi Nachman announces so often, da, you have to know this intuitively in the depths of your bones. 
There's a certain urgency, there's a certain exigency to the Torah of Rabbi Nachman that says, what I'm saying is fundamentally significant to a command. It's calling you to do something. And kachava, for Rabbi Nachman, it's not enough to think that we're the center of the universe. Being the center of the universe means a certain responsibility. And Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, if I'm the only person in the world, if I am the only individual in the world, if the entirety of existence exists solely from my experience, then my responsibility and my necessity and my urgency is to see the lack of the world, is to look at what's missing, is to look at what's bad, what's broken in the world. If this is my world, what needs fixing here? Like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai asked when he came out of the Ma'ara after 13 years, Matzarech Tikkun, what needs fixing here? What can I fix? That's the job of the Tzadike Hadoros. The Tzadike Hadoros asks, what needs fixing here? And so when Rabbi Nachman announces that it's our responsibility to view it as if the entire world surrounds around us, the next step of the question is, how can I fix what's lacking? How can I fix the lack? And Rabbi Nachman says, how do you fix the lack? To daven for them. Now, here is where I'm going to specify the significant point which I believe is going to animate the entire teaching. Rabbi Nachman says, that once I recognize that the entire world circles around me, around my heart, around my relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that everything I see, feel, hear, or touch is simply there as a tool to bring me closer to God or to remove me from God, heaven forbid. The next step is for me to acknowledge that all deficiency that I see in the world, all suffering, all difficulty that I see in the world, it's my job to fix. And then Rabbi Nachman ends that teaching with saying, and therefore I need to daven for the world. Now, based on the shirim of Ishbitz and Radzin, I'd like to say that davening for the world is not simply an effect of recognizing the lack of the world, but davening for the world is the response to the lack of the world. Meaning to say, Rabbi Nachman says, if the world is created from me, it's my responsibility to see that the lack in the world, that the difficulty in the world, that the pain in the world, that the anxiety in the world, that all of the difficult, dark things in the world are my responsibility to fix. And then Rabbi Nachman continues and he wants to say, how do you fix this? Daven for them. Not that because there's a lack, I must daven for them, but how do I deal with the lack? Daven for them. Like the Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin taught us that the recognition of lack is the birthplace of prayer. It's only when I recognize the deficiency of myself and the world around me and the world that surrounds me and saturates me that I can actually begin to utter a single word of truth, that I can begin to utter a single word of prayer. So when Rabbi Nachman says that it's our job to look at the lack of the world and fix it, he then offers us an etza, a suggestion of how to fix it, and that's lehitpalel ba'avuram. To recognize that my tefillah, my ability to reach out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in my own most lack, in all of my deficiency, that's how I connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and that's how I elevate the world.
that the recognition of lack is in and of itself the beginning of prayer. Now, this move, this fact that Rabbi Nachman is telling us that within the recognition of lack, within Hakar Sachisaru, and there is already the birthplace of Tefillah, which is the Tikkun HaOlam, that within the awareness of the deficiency of the world, there is already a deep knowledge that I need to fix things, is going to be the step that we need to understand this Torah. Because one of the concepts, one of the fundamental concepts that animate the teachings of Rabbi Nachman, especially as elucidated in the writings of Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman, and in Bir Halikutim on this Torah, there are certain simanim that make it very clear that Bliyayin Hara, what I'm saying, at least has precedent in the tzaddikim, that one of the important things to recognize is that when learning Kabbalah or Hasidus, and especially the writings of Rabbi Nachman, we need to open ourselves up or reanimate ourselves to the concept of relationship, something we discussed at the end of last week. That typically we assume relationships are between two parties, between a mashpia and between a makabel, between expression and between reception, between movement outwards and constriction inwards. That something conveys information and something else receives information so that any relationship is already dualistic, is already two parties. But in the logic of Chazal, there's a concept called minei ubei. Minei ubei, roughly translated, means within itself. Meaning to say that you might think that a relationship needs two separate parties so that one party can express something and another party can receive something, thereby creating a relationship what Chazal's wisdom come to say is that no, even within a single entity, even within something singular, the individual themselves, there is already a dualism at the heart. That achas diber zujamati. That Hashem spoke one word, but I heard two. That human experience is always torn. Human experience is always dualistic. Human experience is always more than one because we can never truly reach back to the one before the two. And therefore, in order to understand relationships, we don't have to think about other people. We can understand the nature of relationships from within our very own heart. And that the Mineyu Bay type of relationship, that concept of from within itself or in and of itself, teaches us that I can be the Mashpia and I can be the Makabal as well. Or in other words, that in the difficulty, the redemption lies as well. Or in the harshness, there is also redemption. Meaning we don't need to bring something foreign into the equation in order to fix the foreign thing. We don't need to bring something from elsewhere into our present moment in order to fix it. We can find within ourselves that which we already need. That even within the makkah, even within the pain, even within the difficulty, there already resides the promise of the relief. This discloses a deeper level of yichud. Because if I think that I'm struggling and my relief stands outside of me, and if only I could drag that relief into my heart, then I'll be okay. So then our conception tells us that difficulty and relief are two separate categories. But if I learn to believe and to be ma'amin, that minei ubei avenagre, 
that from within the difficulty itself I can find relief, as Rabbi Nachman stresses so often. So then what I'm disclosing is a deeper level of unity. Because even within that which appears to be difficult, even within that which appears to be opposite, I can also find the relief itself. This is going to be the animating teaching of Rabbi Nachman's Torah and Torah Hay. Rabbi Nachman starts off with telling us that we have to see to it as if we're the only individual in the world. And our job, therefore, is to recognize the lack of the world. And in the recognition of lack, in our awareness of that lack, we have the ability of already drawing down the beginning of tikkun, of learning how to daven. Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, how do we know? How does a person know if their tefillah is koidem hagzardin or la'achar hagzardin? How does an individual know if when I'm trying to daven ta'kadosh baruch Hu, it's too late or not late enough yet? Rabbi Nachman goes on and he says, the way to tell this is through the simcha of the mitzvahs that a person performs. Now, by necessity, we're going to be skipping over lines that demand hours of discussion. But what I want to move to next is the distinction that Rabbi Nachman makes. Rabbi Nachman says that you want to understand how to know if it's koidim hagzardin or the achar gzardin, is it too late or is there still time? And as we said, based on the hakdam of Rabbi, Rabbi Nassan, that even when it's too late, Rabbi Nachman is teaching us that there's still time. Hashem. So Rabbi Nachman comes on to a chakira. Rabbi Nachman comes on to the question of the simcha in mitzvos. Rabbi Nachman says, if you want to truly understand if it's koidim hagzardin or laachar gzardin, you have to try and experience the simcha that you engage in with mitzvos. Because there's two types of simcha. A person can perform a mitzvah and they can hope for the redemption that comes in the future. A person can engage in a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they can engage in that relationship solely for the schar that comes la'asid lavo, for the promise of reward. Or a person can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu not for schar in the future, but with the deep recognition that the schar that I desire, the reward that I desire, the feeling of calmness of spirit, the redemption that I desire, is not some future experience, is not something that stands out in the future of la'asid lavo, but rather it's something that is contained within the experience itself. That there are two ways to serve God. And these don't represent two paradigms of individuals, these represent two parts of our own selves. Each and every one of us has both parts in us. There is the service of God for the sake of the promise of the future, of what happens after death, of the promises of reward and pleasure, the assuagement of our anxiety of death, that fear of human mortality that tells us that there is an end to all things, and therefore we need that promise that there will be a reward even after things end. And then there's a deeper level of experience which says that even if I have no idea what happens next, even if I have no idea what happens in the future, my experience in this present moment is enough relief for me. I don't care so much what happens after death. I care more about what happens before death. One perspective sees the schar of mitzvot as something that is relevant after this life. 
And one sees the experience and the benefit of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through mitzvot as the promise of reward within this life itself. And like the Balatanya would say, I don't care about your schar, I don't care about your Elam Haba, all I want is you. Rabbi Nachman demands of us to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in one of two ways. Serve Hashem for the promise of future reward, or serve Hashem on the loftier level where you recognize that the service of God is in and of itself, mineyubay, the reward. That the mitzvah carries the schar within it. That any movement that the individual makes to elevate themselves out of their stuckness and this worldliness is in and of itself the redemption and the promise of reward that we are so desperately seeking. Now, Rabbi Nachman makes a clear distinction between these two paradigms of Avedis Hashem. Rabbi Nachman says as follows. And it's specifically when a person completes the mitzvah, serves God, draws God into their lives. To the point that they don't want any future merit. They don't want any future reward. But rather, what we want is more experience in this world. We want more relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world. That the reward for mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. And here Rabbi Nachman makes an incredibly important move. Because the pleasure comes from the mitzvah itself. Rabbi Nachman is not renunciating the belief in reward, but rather Rabbi Nachman is saying there are people who can find the reward in the moment itself. See your world in your days. Taste the olam haba in this world. And Rabbi Nachman says these are two paradigms referred to and described in the prophets and in the writings as ko and ze. That there were certain neviim who prophesied in Ko Amar Hashem, that is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to say. Ko implying a certain distance, a certain removal, a certain gap between where I am and what the promise of what will be is. And then there was the Nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu, which is the Bechina of Zeh. This. Zeh Keli Va'anvehu. This is my God and I will celebrate him. I will praise him. Rabbi Nachman says that the distinction between serving God based on the promise of some future reward that stands at some distant hope versus serving God in the present moment where we find relief in and of the service of God itself is the distance between the two types of prophecy of ko and ze, this and that. Ko implies a vision through an aspaklaria she'ena me'ira, a clouded speculum, a vision that can't truly behold the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu yet, but is rather only satisfied with the promise of some future relief. I engage in divine worship, I engage in drawing HaKadosh Baruch Hu into my life, primarily because it's an insurance policy, because it promises me protection and reward in the future. But then there's the individual who lives with urgency. There's the individual who says, I can't wait that long. I can't be satisfied with an aspaklaya she'inam ira. 
I'm dissatisfied with a cloudy speculum. I need a clear vision of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I need to feel HaKadosh Baruch Hu in my life at this very moment. That individual exists on the level of Zeh. A person who finds themselves in any situation can look at them in one of two ways. We can say that this situation is going to benefit me because it will lead to this thing and that thing and ultimately it will bring about a relief or a promise that I hope for that I don't see right now. Or a person can cultivate the sense of zeh, this, this is what it is right now. Wherever I am, here I am right now. Whatever I am experiencing contains within itself all that I need. That promise of mineyu bay within itself. That the typical conception of mitzvah and schar is that schar mitzvah Baha'i al-maleka. That I engage in the mitzvah, but the schar will only be tasted in the future. Through the secret of mineyu bay, that realization that the action itself contains within it the purpose of the action, or tam ha'etz ketam ha'pri, that the taste of the fruit is contained within the tree itself, that is the level of zeh. That is the level that sees that even within my action, I can already taste the promise of relief. Even as I live in this world, I can still feel the promise of a Baruch Hu Asad level. Nabi Nachman says it's only a person who lives on the level of zeh. It's only an individual who can live with the reality of zeh, of this, of the moment that I'm in being the most significant moment, only that person can understand And like we said before, I want to make this clear, that what Rabbi Nachman is trying to teach us with the question of is it too late or is there still time, is that even when it's too late, there's still time. Even when HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachal has been goizer adin, when difficulty descends into the world, there's still time to nullify that difficulty, to make it as if that difficulty was never there. To reveal that even in the heart of Yeyush, even in the heart of hopelessness, there abides an irreducible hope that exists even when all hope dies. So when Rabbi Nachman tells us that it's only a person who can live on the level of Zeh, it's only the individual who has the capacity of saying, Hashem, I don't want your schar la'asid level. All I want is you in the present moment. I am okay where I am. I don't need any ingredients outside of myself, but my mind itself is enough to find relief in this moment. Only that individual can taste the difference between kodem hagzardin la'achar gzardin. And la'aniyas daiti, what I would like to say is that only a person who can find mindful presence in the moment itself without the need of recourse to some future promise can recognize that no matter where I am, there's always hope. That no matter where I find myself in relationship to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whether in reality it's Koydim HaGazardin or La'achar Gazardin, nevertheless, if I can find Hashem in this moment, it's obviously Koydim HaGazardin. That Yeshin Yan that there's a concept that flips everything. That if I can simply settle my mind and my heart long enough to find Hashem in what I have, in who I am, in where I am, and not fall back into the all too human need to find Hashem there, or to find Hashem with those strengths, or to find Hashem when that happens, if I'm able to recognize that Hashem is present wherever I am, and that 
that's when I can truly understand that there is no difference between Koydim HaGzardin or LaAcher Gzardin. Because what Rabbi Nachman is teaching is that even Acher HaGzardin, it's like Koydim Gzardin. Rabbi Nachman continues, and he wants to teach us how we can feel this Simcha. How is a person Zaycha to that Simcha? How can a person cultivate that mindful sense of being where they are, of that Zeh? And paradoxically speaking, we refer to this world as Olam HaZeh. We refer to this lowly world, this world of constriction and concealment and difficulty and darkness and Gezardin and Dinim and Gvuros. We refer to this world of Alma de Shikra as Olam HaZeh, meaning to say that on a certain level, it's specifically in this darkened place where all we can do is force HaKadosh Baruch Hu into our lives in this moment that I stand in, that we have the ability of reaching that level of Zeh. That if we lived in Olam Haba, if everything was good, then there would be no need to find the schar in this moment because we would believe that the schar would come in the future. It's only when we lose sight of that schar. It's only when the confusion and the confounded bilbulim of this world block our minds from the fact that Olam Haba is real, that we're forced to find relief in Zeh, that we're forced to say Hashem no matter what, no matter what happens in the future, no matter what has happened in the past. I have you now, I have you Zeh, in this moment. It's specifically in Olam Hazed that we have the ability of finding that. A Nakuda that is one of my favorite teachings that I've ever encountered. And I promised that I wouldn't go from one Torah in Lakuta Maran to another Torah in Lakuta Maran. But from Lakuta Maran to a teaching in Chaim Maharan, I'm going to allow myself to do. Rabbi Nachman writes in teaching Tufkuf Tuf Zayin in 516 in Chaim Maharan. Amar, Rabbi Nachman said, Shalasid Yomurat Sadikim, that in the future the Sadikim are going to say, Zeh Hashem Kivinulo. This is Hashem who we've been yearning for. This is Hashem who we've been seeking. Zeh Daika. Specifically Zeh. So when the tzaddikim in the future, when they experience the schar of Olam Haba, when they serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the level of Ko, that sees the schar of mitzvot as something future-oriented, that sees the relief of divine worship as something that stands in the future and not that something that animates each and every moment of our lives, will recognize that it's Zeh Daika, specifically Zeh. The Amar Belashan Ashkenaz, and Rabbi Nachman announced in, in Yiddish, Shayomru Kal Echad, that each and every person is going to say, Taka, Zudem Gat, Haben Mir Gehabt. This God, this godliness, this revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that I'm experiencing in the future is exactly what I experienced then. It's exactly what I experienced before the future. It's exactly what I lived in in Golis itself. That Tzadikim will be able to say that just as I'm experiencing HaKadosh Baruch Hu now in the future is how I experienced him in the past in Olam Hazeh. And this is what I've always been hoping for. And now I'm realizing that what I've always hoped for is exactly what I'm experiencing now. Meaning to say that what we experience in the moment, in that Nakuda of Zeh, 
of finding the schar in the mitzvah itself, mineyu bey, is already what we're hoping for in the future. But Rabbi Nachman wants us to understand how to access the simcha. And here Rabbi Nachman enter, enters into an entire discussion about what it means to daven, about what it means to speak. And I believe that Rabbi Nachman is not talking about speaking to other people or speaking to the world, but he's talking about the relationship that takes place between the individual and themselves. He's describing the process of speech prior to the expression of words, the movement of speech, the birth of the spoken word within the heart of the individual. Rabbi Nachman says that if you want to be zoichat to simcha, it's only through re'emen. Rather, I should step back. You want to be zoichat to simcha, it's only through yashra salev. It's only through a straightness and a directness of the heart that is capable of discerning in each and every moment what is present to itself. But unfortunately, we're stuck within akmimiyusa heart, in the imbalance of the heart, in the different directions that our anxiety and our difficulties drag us in. And the question is, how are you zaychat to the yashra salev, to that straightness of the heart, that directness that feels that in this moment, at this rega, I am experiencing a Kaddish Baruch Hu? How do you get rid of the brokenness of the heart? How do you get rid of the crookedness of the heart? It's only through thunder. And this is where Rabbi Nachman begins to describe what I believe is essential to our work. That if you want to understand how to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'Simcha, how to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the moment that you're in, and not to be stuck in that future-oriented anxiety that simply hopes for something that will happen, but rather is capable of finding the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this moment, it's only through the thunderous words the thunderous words that emerge out of the heart of the individual. That when we daven, when we speak words of Torah, we need to speak with an essentiality that demands hearing. We need to speak with an intensity. The words that we say need to be meaningful to us. That ultimately teaching Torah or sharing Torah or davening is not for anybody but our own hearts. That the ultimate goal is to wake ourselves up. The only way to wake ourselves up is when our words are spoken with force. Force not in terms of volume or in terms of intensity, but force because it touches on the kernel of what it means to be a human being. It's vulnerable speech. You want to know how to awaken the mind. You want to know how to break through the barriers that block Simcha from entering into our lives. You want to know how to irrigate the clouds that emerge in our minds and allow them to let water flow into ourselves so that our heart blossoms significance, says Rabbi Nachman. It's only when the words that you speak are powerful that you need to hear within your own ears what your heart is uttering. Now, this is not a method of conversation. This is not Rabbi Nachman teaching us the laws of dialogue. Rabbi Nachman is teaching us how to break open the unconsciousness of our own thoughts. That the words that I think, the words that I say, the thoughts that I think, I need to ensure that each and every thought is intense, is precise, is direct. That the moment that I am in is essential and it's significant. And I cannot say that the next moment will be when I serve Hashem. It has to be right now. Rabbi Nachman describes the a possibility 
of protecting the mind from falling into brokenness of thought as protecting matzah from becoming chametz. That we need to watch our thoughts at each and every moment. We need to ensure that every moment is intense. That inner intensity that says, if this is the only moment that I experience in my life, let it be, because at this moment I am here. Everything is here. Hakol Khan. Olamecha Tirebachayecha. I see my world in my days. I'm not stuck on the promise of a future or the promise of a past. I am living in the present moment. When my words or my thoughts emerge from a place like that, from the urgency of that moment, they become thunderous sounds. They awaken my mind and they allow my mind to irrigate myself. Rabbi Nachman is talking about a Mineu Bey type of conversation, how the heart can awaken the mind how my feelings and my hargashos, my emotions, when they're taken seriously, when I'm able to see my life through the lens of zeh, when I'm able to look at my life and say, all I have is this moment right now, I don't need to dream about a future relief and I don't have to deal with the past. All I have is the presence of HaKadosh Baruch and the presence of myself in this present moment. hazos, at this moment, at that point, it's when the thunderous clouds of our thoughts and our words break open the closeness of our minds and allow thoughts to roll freely. And then we recognize that our movement upwards, any effort that we make to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is in and of itself the ore that comes down. That it's not that we serve Hashem through our thoughts and through our emotions, and then eventually HaKadosh Baruch Hu will send down light into our lives, but rather the emergence out of ourselves, the awakening out of our own subconscious and unconscious slumber is in and of itself the spiritual leaf that we're seeking. That the feeling of zeh, the ability to say, this, this moment is all that there is. This aspeklaria my ability to see clearly, my ability to recognize that this moment is the only place that I can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the only way I can serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that is what allows me to engage within myself the dual relationship of movement upwards towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the reception of Hashem's response. That my simcha in Hashem is Hashem's simcha in me then my ability to have a conscious connection to God is God's connection to me. It's not some step in the process. It's the goal itself, that the process is the goal. There's not some separation between process and goal, but rather it's mineyubay, the process itself is the goal. That when I can awaken myself through intensity, when I can throw myself into the moment with the abandonment that says the past is nothing and the future is nothing and all that exists is zeh, at that moment I open myself up to the possibility of my own experience being the very schar that I desire. Which Rabbi Nachman says is the ultimate promise that in the future when we see Hashem, the promise will be that we can look back on our experience in Gullus and say, wow, Taka, what I felt then was exactly what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing me now. Now, Rabbi Nachman also associates this distinction between Ko and Zeh, the service of God in the moment, 
versus the service of God in the moment for the sake of a future as the six days of the week versus Shabbos. That the six days of the week are the avoida of collecting and gathering for the sake of some future pleasure, for the sake of some future benefit, while the work of Shabbos is the promise that there is relief. Shabbos that a person has to see, ki'ilu asuya, olam haba, the ability to feel as if the future is present. And Rabbi Nachman says that when a person is capable of living at the level of zeh, when a person is capable of living at the level of intensity that recognizes that all I have in front of me is the present moment, and therefore I need to hasten myself and intensify myself so that everything is powerful through my own gavuros, it's only then that we can draw down the light of Shabbos into the six days of the week to recognize that there is a possibility that even when we live in the state of preparation, even when we live in that deferred state where we're forced to see that Hashem is not present yet, or that the world has not reached its culmination yet, or that Mashiach is not here yet, nevertheless, Yeshin Yan that is capable of drawing Shabbos into the six days of the week, that is capable of drawing HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the mundanity, that is capable of drawing redemption into Gullus itself. To end without even really having begun, Rabbi Nassan writes in Lukute Halachos and Hilchos Tfilin or Stalad and elsewhere that the first few Torahs that Rabbi Nachman taught were all connected and all shaykh to the mitzvah of Tefillin. The mitzvah of Tefillin. And when a person learns the Kavanas of the Arizal, when a person understands the mitzvah of Tefillin, they begin to understand that the external Tefillin that we wear, those signs, that os that we put on top of our head, is only an external sign of tefillin. But in truth, the panemius of tefillin is that light that emerges out of our own minds, that through our capacity to think and connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu deeply enough, there's a protrusion of light that comes out of the individual themselves, that from within my own experience, within my own ingredients, within my own heart, within my own mind, within my own midos, is specifically how I should serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that the tefillin are not something that a person buys and puts on top of their head, but rather the tefillin are something that are bokeya, that emerge out of the individual themselves. Again, highlighting the fact that this entire teaching is the teaching of Mineyube, is teaching us how what we have is enough. That I don't need recourse to some future opportunity to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu but rather what I have in my life at this present moment is enough. And to end again before beginning, you know, I, I don't even know, I don't know if I've even begun trying to explain what this Torah means to me, but I want to show something from the Maggid of Mezrich on the same Pasuk of Bechatzotzos Vichol Shoifar, which highlights for me the idea that Rabbi Nachman in this teaching is trying to show us how it's a secret of Mineyu Bey, that within the person themselves, they have the promise of redemption. Within Gullus itself, there already abides the presence of redemption. Within Chol, there's already Shabbos. That Nikuda of Zeh, that feeling of Zeh, of this is it, not something else, but this. The Magad of Mezrich describes the word Chatzaytsor, it says Chatzitsuros, as a half form. Because as we know, Avram, Avram, Moshe, Moshe, that each and every person has two forms that there's the form below and there's the form above. There's the work that we do below and there's the work that happens above. 
There's the Esarusa de la Tata and there's the Asarusa de la Ela. There's the inspiration from below and the inspiration from above. There's the Mayim Nukfin, the feminine waters of arousal that descend, that ascend from below. And there's the Mayim Dukhrin, the masculine waters of expression that descend from on high to below. But what the Magad of Mesrich says is that the word Chatzosros teaches us, teaches us that these Chatzisuros, these two forms, are truly part and parcel of the same exact experience. That all I need to do is my work below, and then Mamela, Mamela, Mineyu Bey, the work from above comes down. And ultimately, this teaching of Rabbi Nachman, should teach us, should give us insight, should give us the life to be able to see that in each and every moment that we find ourselves, in each and every moment we can say, This is exactly what I need. All I need is right here. Wherever I am, here I am. Or that I can be here now, in this present moment. And Be'ezrus Hashem, next week we're going to continue with the teaching of Rabbi Nachman on Targum, on the secret of translation, which is also going to be in the same theme, in the same vein. And Be'ezrus Hashem will continue growing with the teaching of Rabbi Nachman to teach us how to find relief in a world that seems to be devoid of relief. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.